New Jersey's OM53 is here with the antidote. Thanks for having us. I should get all of you to introduce yourselves, and then our listeners can actually figure out who's who. Okay. Um, I'm Chris. I do uh, main vocals and guitar. I'm Mike. I sing a little bit. I do some lead vocals, mostly background vocals, and I play bass. And I'm Scott, and I play drums. I'm Gaston. I play uh, keys and a little bit of bass and guitar, and I do a lot of the technical stuff for the band. Well, I got to tell you, I'm a boring guy, so my first question for a guest is usually the same. How and when did the band begin? Yeah, so the band began in 2018. Uh, Scott and I, we were recording some music, just trying to figure some stuff out, and uh, we took this trip to Nashville. And on our way back, like everything just became really clear, and um, we knew exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to do something different that just didn't sound like all of christian music we wanted it to um be fresh but not just trying to be different it's just like what is the need and um we really loved like 80s music and uh synth wave which is 2010 music that is based off of a lot of um, 1980s nostalgia and uh, we gave it our spin inspired by a few bands and in 2019, Mike came in. We really needed the help with bass vocals. Then Spoon came in, who's homesick right now, so he's not with us. And then not too long ago, yeah, uh, Gaston joined us, helping us with keys and a uh, bunch of the technical stuff. You just spoke about the music being 80s style. <laughs> so none of you guys were born in the 80s. Is this culture appropriation of old people's music? No, not at all. I think the beautiful thing about the 80s is that they're like everlasting. I think most of the stuff that we listen to on the radio today, the 80s has influenced in one way or the other. And um, we're all 90s kids that had siblings that were either older than us or our parents that really listened to 80s music. And like the 80s music didn't die in the 80s and the 90s. It keeps living. So even though we were not born in the 80s or lived that era, that era came to ours. So, I mean, I think it's very much ours. You know, I think lush is the best word I can use for the music of OM53. You know, it has this rich sound. And that's obviously, that's not too typical of most pop bands. I guess that's where the synth side of your music comes in because it expands the atmosphere. Now, was this whole style really a natural for you to blend these elements? Um, yeah, so a lot of what we do, pretty much like our staple sound comes from uh, analog synths. We love using analog synths. And um, we've individually loved that sound before we even came to meet each other and become a band together. So I think it really just comes from our preference in, in music listening the bands that we listen to, the a lot of the 80s music that we listen to, and even some of the more uh, current stuff really give us that appreciation for analog sound. So we, we use a lot of analog synthesizers and synthesizers that are digital but sound very analog. So tell me, where do you find these analog synths? It can't be easy to pick up. <laughs> 
used marketplaces like uh, Reverb. That's pretty much been our our go-to. Scouring the uh, catalogs of Reverb, trying to find stuff that's not just completely out of our price range. (laughs) That's, you know, vintage stuff. We love vintage stuff. (laughs) And when do you get the keytar? Um, Chris, I, I'll hand this to you. I think there was talk about a keytar for a while. <laughs> yeah, there is. There was talk about that. We had like two songs that the keytar would have totally worked, and we're not opposed to it. I think there will come a time where the keytar could be a thing, but now with Gaston over here, um, we're probably going to throw it over to him and have him shred on the keytar or do something like that. And how are your moves on the stage then, Gaston? Because you have to do that when you're playing the guitar. Well, I, I really like to move around. I've already played quite a few shows with the guys, and uh, we all kind of vibe together. And I just feel the music, and, and I just feel how everybody else is feeling. And, and yeah, I just have a fun time, you know? I want to take you guys back and talk about the title track from your debut album. Part of the opening verse for Defender says... Look at all the things that I know you've done for me. I think about the future and it seems uncertain. Don't know how I'm going to make it out of this one now. Now, I know I'm taking this out of context, but at that time, couldn't that line have fit OM53? I mean, the band didn't have any guarantees that you were going to be accepted by Christian audiences. That's kind of definitely the case, and and we knew going into it that it was kind of a an experiment in a way and most of the people that we showed defender and seasons were kind of the first two that we really wrote there were a few other songs as well that we kind of had the the beginnings of nobody really seemed to get it um you know it wasn't the typical christian music that anyone was really listening to at the time and so we kind of were very aware of the fact that it it wasn't something that was going to click right away if it did at all. But we just kind of knew that, you know, we, we feel that God is calling us to pursue music in this way. And, and we want to, you know, be able to reach out as much as encourage other Christians and going down the typical route of just CCM music. It felt like we couldn't accomplish what we felt like this band was called to do doing that. And so, yeah, we knew it was going to be a gamble, but we knew that if, if God was calling us to it, that those doors would be open for us. So it's been really cool to see how it's kind of grown and expanded from there. Yeah. And if I could add one thing, um, I remember uh, the first year when we released Defender, we did an interview on this big, big Latin American radio station. And uh, the guy asked me, Chris, how do you expect to compete with worship music and CCH because that's what people really like to listen nowadays. Um, and I remember I just looked at the guy and I said, well, I'm not here to compete. Like I'm not here to be more than anybody else. I know that all of those avenues are well taken care of and there are other avenues that nobody's taking care of. And if that's where we're called to, to be, then that's where we're called to be. And we're not going to obsess over numbers or anything like that. Well, that's a good point. Give me your thoughts about on the whole Christian music scene right now. I'll give you my thoughts. I think it's getting narrower and narrower all the time. For sure. I mean, that's a, it's, it's a big topic for us, uh, for sure, in songs like It's All Wrong. 
we touch a little bit on that because as you said it all seems like it's like becoming the same thing and in order to be quote unquote successful you have to sound a certain way um you have to work with this producer or that producer over in nashville because they're the ones with the contacts um they're the ones that sound the way that christian radio want you to sound like and it's tough if you focus on it as like a career or you focus on as i said the numbers i guess like if your self-worth and even if your faith is based on all of this it could be very discouraging uh for us um that's not the case so we just you know do what we know we've been called to do and just trust god that we will be where he wants us to be and whatever amount of success we'll have it's what he designed us to have so um yeah it's tough for sure no it's funny that you'd brought up that whole point about worship music and ccm because I heard somewhere that the very first song OM53 wrote was Seasons. And honestly, that is a straight-up worship song. Yeah, it was written as a, as a worship song. Like, lyrically, it really was. And was that your intention, to draw the audience into worship? Yeah, fully. That whole album was songs that were written at one point just with a guitar. We knew that this was what we wanted to to say and this is how we wanted to connect with god and have people connect with god and then the sounds came afterwards but we had this whole like dilemma after a while now that you've mentioned the whole christian music scene it was difficult because sometimes it can feel like we are just entertainment for christian people and we're writing things just to make them feel good I remember having a meeting once with some people down in Nashville and uh, the guys were there and they were talking about how if we wanted to be signed and if we wanted to get on the radio, we had to understand that the radio was made for 30 to 40 year old soccer moms and soccer dads that um, (laughs) they needed uh, people to tell them that everything was going to be all right, that God loved them. And then if we wrote those songs you know, we could have a deal and it was going to work out for us. And as again, after a while, as, as you could see, like lyrically, it started changing for us. Not that our heart changed, not that we don't consider ourselves Christian band or obviously Christian people. Um, it's just that there's so many other things to talk about and there's so much to say. And for sure, the last thing we want to be is just a product um just entertainment for christian people to feel good because i think sometimes that's a disservice to a person because there are days when things are not good we know that there is an eternal hope we know that god is always good but in our feelings in our perception it may not seem like the day or that situation is good as you could see like some of our lyrics have changed over time Whenever the name OM53 comes up, you see comparisons made to bands like the 1975, Boy Pablo, and The Midnight. You know, I hear some of that in your songs. But really, where do influences stop and your own music begin? Um, I think all of us in this band are all just like studiers of music. So when we listen to music, 
we listen for our own entertainment, of course, otherwise we go crazy, but we all like absolutely study music. It's almost like we have homework and we come back together and we always are talking about, oh, did you hear that thing that uh, hers did in their latest single? It's like they used this specific transition. It just worked for them really well. So we get inspired off of music that we listen to in uh, their production styles a lot and just different production tools that they use in their songs to convey an emotion or a feeling. And usually that's what we're trying to do. If we're trying to communicate something with a song or we have a topic for a song that we want to talk about, we want the production to really communicate that. So we learn a lot from all these songs that we listen to and over the years that we've just been listening to and learning from all our lives. And um, there's definitely a lot of heavy influence, but it's absolutely original in the sense that it's something that we are feeling and we want to convey that feeling to our listener. Yeah, we just take a lot of these ideas that we, we get from our favorite artists. Actually, that just leads to something else then. Obviously, that probably isn't the only type of music that you're listening to. If you're just going to pull up a Spotify playlist, what are you going to be looking for? <laughs> um, it's going to be kind of like a crazy mix of pretty much everything. I really, really personally lean more towards uh, bedroom pop, sometimes lo-fi stuff. Uh, I love indie rock, indie pop. Sometimes you can catch me listening to classical um, more like, um, when I say classical, more like soundtrack music, stuff like that for movies. Oh, Mike, you should be living in Sweden. That's the type <laughs> of music they go for. Oh, man. Yeah, I love it. I love, like, Hans Zimmer is one of my favorites, honestly. Uh, he's great. I love the classics, too, like Frank Sinatra, um, all that stuff. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, really broad range. I'd say so. But Scott even goes further out. Yeah, I, I grew up listening to more modern metal, not so much like Metallica and stuff, but bands like As I Lay Dying back in the day and um, just a lot of heavy, like deathcore, metalcore, that kind of stuff. I also love a lot of video games, so I love a lot of video game soundtracks and just kind of that ambient kind of feeling of wonder that you get from that. I listen to Chill Wave. I listen to a lot of the indie pop and that kind of stuff, like the music that we create kind of all over the place, but more towards heavier stuff for me. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I don't have one thing that I listen to. I like I was just listening to Dean Martin and Are I can you go serious. Dean Martin. Yeah. Like I was I was I just showed Gaston. I was like, dude, in my way home I was listening to Dean Martin because I don't have one style of music that I like. When Mike said that we're like we study the music, we'll like focus on a specific genre to like understand it but as far as like i'm listening just because i want to listen to music it can go anywhere from under oath to dean martin to a lot of latin american music because i was born in costa rica and i have this whole other range of music from enanitos verdes which is like south american rock and roll mm -hmm. to um oh i love coldplay i love john mayer i love there's so many different things. It just depends what mood I'm in. Okay, Gaston, you're the last one up to give your input. I come from a very similar background to Scott. I grew up listening to a lot of modern metal, like As I Lay Dying, exactly how he said, and uh, more modern stuff like volumes. 
But very recently, I've been listening to a lot of uh, the 1975 bands like Dayglow and Tim Atlas and stuff like that. And um, my my taste, they, they vary quite a lot. Like Chris said, he'll listen to John Mayer and stuff like that. I love John Mayer. I used to listen to a lot of Jason Mraz when I was growing up. Yeah, I love listening to all kinds of music and learning as much as I can. And none of which gets revealed into your music. <laughs> Not many of those styles, only a little bit of it. That is very true. It's very true. I think that, um, and I learned this from John Mayer, he said that I wanted to sound like Stevie Ray. I wanted to sound like this person. I want to do this. And every single time he would listen to his music, he was like, oh, but it doesn't sound like Stevie Ray. It doesn't sound like this. He kept failing at doing what he wanted to. And then as time went by, he realized that that sound that he kept hearing his failure was really him finding himself. And I think that's what we end up doing over here as we all listen to different things and, and love different music. We bring it home to the studio and we try to somehow replicate that one thing that we liked and spin it. And we fail at it, but find ourselves. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mike told me the other day, he's like, we need to embrace that and not like focus on, oh man, but it doesn't sound like that thing. Yes, it shouldn't sound like that thing. It should sound like whatever we come up with. I'm sort of focusing still a bit here on the past, and I want to bring in something, the follow-up to the Defender album, Voyager. And you went for a change on that release. You know, it still delivered a Christian worldview, but it was maybe a little less obvious, like on the song Runaways. Yeah, for sure. That was the point. We were like, hey, we want to be able to say a little bit more and still from the heart of people that love Jesus. But we go through things in life and we want to be able to share that with our audience. Yeah, I think that was kind of a turning point. You know, that whole first album was very kind of worship based, but just with a synthwave style of music rather than um, the typical stuff that you might hear on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of our transition into let's try and come down a little bit rather than directing all these songs up as like worship songs let's kind of meet other people and and realize that like things aren't always perfect and and we're all just kind of trying to to figure things out and find our way in life i remember writing that song specifically and we just kind of wanted it to have this feeling of like we don't know what's next we don't know where we're going but we're just going to trust in God and, and trust that he's going to get us there. And we're just kind of like running on this road to wherever. And, and sometimes we run the wrong way and we run away. And uh, we just trust that God will kind of bring us back to where we're supposed to be. Well, you want to know something else that's cool about OM53 is that your songs don't always have a message. You record a lot of instrumentals. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, a cool thing. For Voyager, we decided to add some songs into the album that actually weren't even done. Some songs that we thought that um, it was okay to just share a bare bones version of a song. And then, yeah, as you said, the instrumentals that just make you feel something, take you somewhere that it's left for interpretation or for someone to go on whatever journey they want to go on. OM53 pulled in some heavier topics on the junior year Side A Homecoming release. 
The track it's all wrong says, let's go back to the basics. No, you don't need to be original. We just need to go a little deeper, go flipping through the pages. What's for real? What was it that made you so angry? Yeah, yeah, it is anger. It actually is anger. And um, Mike helped in the writing process because I had actually written a song that was supposed to be It's All Wrong, but it had a lot more like a direct message. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm glad he, we ended up with what we ended up with. <laughs> yeah, he helped me focus that anger because we all grew up uh, in Christian homes or at least attending church and, and being there every single Sunday and probably even more days. We have Mike. Um, he's a pastor's kid. My parents were elders at church and um, Scott and Gaston also were at church for a long time. Um, and we've experienced like all the different seasons of what contemporary church looks like. Um, we've seen the Pentecostal side, we've seen the super seeker friendly and all that different stuff that can get super, super confusing. And I mean, I don't necessarily say it's all manipulative because it's not, but we have seen the manipulative side of it. And, um, you know, there was a lot of anger there because we have seen the dark side of it. We love the church. We believe in the church. We love God. But being able to express all the madness that we've seen and experienced was for sure something, uh, I'd say, beautiful for us to be able to let, to let go and to put out there. So you're not talking about the church as a whole. Um, just like what you're saying, what Chris was about to say, I'm sure. We're definitely not talking about the church as a whole. I, I believe the church is the people within the building and within the organizations. And the the building and the organization is important because that's like your outlet to get together and to be the body of Christ with each other. And it provides a way that's structured for us to worship God as a body of Christ and to learn about God and, and to grow closer and learn ways that we can grow closer to God on our own as well, which is super important. What that song is really about is really what the chorus comes back to, like what you said. The, the verses are a little more hard-hitting, and they they really address some of the issues that we've seen in the church, like misuses of money and people and misdirection of, of what's important, when it really should just be about the basics. Uh, you don't have to be original, Is saying. You don't have to come up with all these new ways to get people to be interested in God or to convey what God wants to say. I think it's great that we can be creative because that's what we do. We're, we're creative. We come up with original ways to say it all the time. But the point is not that um, you can't be original. It's that it's not needed because there's so much power in the word of God. And God has said exactly what he wants to say right in the Bible. So if you're looking for truth, if you're looking for guidance and you're, you're confused, the answer is right in those pages, right in the Bible. So that's really what the whole message of It's All Wrong is really about. Well, it's pretty clear that you guys are committed to your Christian faith. The thing is that there's many Christian artists who only play churches and only play Christian festivals. But it sounds like you guys want to reach out beyond that. So then are bars and clubs some of the venues that you had to go to? Yeah, I would say that probably 80% of our shows this year were at bars and secular venues which was great because 
we feel that we're not just being entertainment for Christian people. We feel that there is a purpose for our music and the conversations that we have before and after the show. Like when people ask us, oh, what does OM53 mean? Like, that's so cool. Or like, oh, that's like weird. What is it? There's a conversation starter. And it's just been a really cool thing because here in Jersey, like everybody knows we're a Christian band. And we believe in this and that. And, you know, we still get invited to this show and that show. And I think we play very, very few Christian shows like nowadays. And hopefully we get to play both. That's so cool. I'd like to hear from you guys about what inspired the song Ghost Me. Because that comes across as being really personal. Um, Ghost Me is probably as personal of this of a song you can get because... It's really you talking to yourself or us talking to ourselves, whoever's listening to it. The whole point of the song is that we all kind of go through these times when it's late at night, we're like lying in bed and we're just trying to have peace. We're just trying to like get some sleep and it feels like everything in the world is distracting us, whether it's getting coupon codes from Reebok on your phone in the middle of the night (laughs) Um, or it's just your own thoughts swirling around in your head. I remember in high school, like worrying about girls and stuff like that, like, oh, is she into me or, you know, what's she out doing or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff can drive you crazy. So we kind of accessed that part of our lives and that that piece of our humanity, I guess, and tried to put that all into a song where the instruments, the music, and obviously the lyrics all kind of painted that same picture of just what it's like going through that struggle and trying to ghost yourself, trying to turn yourself off when you need to. I so appreciate that you guys really want to stretch the limits in some of your songs. You want people to think about what they're hearing. Yeah, I mean, it's really what it comes down to, being as honest as we can with ourselves first, so that we could put it on paper and music, and then other people could take that and be honest with themselves, Um, whether it's to understand life or just to have as mike said inner peace but yeah we're super super excited about being able to write this way and uh for people to enjoy it well talking about writing om53 has a brand new single and it's got a lot less synth than your previous songs are you guys heading into a different music direction on waiting for the day um I wouldn't say it's a different direction. I I feel like we're just like writing whatever like if it if it feels right, it feels right. And actually waiting for the day has a lot of sense in it, but we did one thing that we haven't ever done, which is we threw an acoustic guitar in there. And uh we focused a lot more on the electric guitar and the acoustic guitar's rhythm and threw the sense a little bit uh more in the back. But um, yeah, it just felt right. It felt like the right thing to do. And we got to write this one in Nashville with um, with Justin Amundred, who is just a really cool guy. And it came out pretty, pretty cool. It's given us uh, a few scares, but um, but we're excited about the song. And uh, it's it's a very, very honest song for sure. Be honest with me. This is the Dean Martin influence coming in. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like subconsciously, it's probably it. 
Well, I got to tell you that I'm hoping that Waiting for the Day will lead into more OM53 music in 2023. So (laughs) are you going to make me happy and tell me that I guessed right? Well, let me tell you something. You're going to get a new song every month. Every single month, you get a brand new song. You guys are diligent. I'm trying. (laughs) You've got a lot of stuff cooking, so... This has already been all recorded, and you're going to just sort of tease us every month with a new song? Yep, and we'll be back as many times as you want us to be back. We'll talk about the songs. (laughs) And it's all going to culminate in an album at the end of the year, or do you even care about albums anymore? Um, We want to do something slightly different than albums. We want to do EPs, so like... EPs that all have a certain vibe because albums kind of long, right? Mm-hmm. And it's okay if it takes long, but we want to go about it this way. This one um, is called Get Better, and it's all about mental health and the way that uh, we've dealt with it and all those insecurities and everything. And obviously, it comes from the perspective of people who love God and uh, know that He's the one that's helped us through it. But yeah, this one is um, called Waiting for the Day, and uh, we're super stoked about it. Well, I guess it sounds like we've got lots to look forward to then throughout all of 2023. I got to thank all the members of OM53 for coming to The Antidote and sharing your time with us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us, and uh, we hope to talk to you again.